0: TheWellnessCoach.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey.
1: Hello, and welcome to the very first edition of The Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audra Starkey, and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. Today's topic is all about sleep, which I know you're going to really enjoy. And to talk more about this really important topic, I've got the lovely Jodie Stark from the Queensland Regional Sleep Clinic as our guest speaker today. Before becoming the owner of the Queensland Regional Sleep Clinic, which is located in Yapoon, a coastal town in central Queensland, approximately 40 kilometres inland from Rockhampton, Jodie has had extensive experience working in a shift-working environment as a long-haul flight attendant for Etihad Airways and prior to that as a customer service officer for Qantas at Brisbane Airport, which is actually where we first met all those years ago. Um, so to tell us more about sleep, I'd like to give a warm, healthy shift worker welcome to Jodie.
0: Thank you, Audra. You're
1: welcome. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. It's very nice to have you on the
0: show. Thanks for having me. You're most welcome. Been a long time. <laughs>
1: yeah, it has. It has. I haven't seen you for ages. Probably the last time I saw you, we bumped into the airport sometime. So, um, yeah, it's it's, well, yeah.
0: it's
1: it's really good to have you on the show. So, thank you so very much for joining, and also for being my very first guest as well. So,
0: super special. Um, yeah, very special. Thanks again. <laughs>
1: So, I'm really looking forward to hearing your story, Jody, and what you have to share because I think our listeners are going to be really totally captivated in learning more about sleep, considering sleep deprivation is one of the biggest struggles we face when working 24-7. So, just to kick off the interview, I'm just curious to hear all about your own personal shift working journey, when you started working 24-7, how many years have you been working as a shift worker and how... You actually eventually ended up owning the sleep clinic.
0: Yes. Well, um, I guess it all started back in 1998 when I um, first started with Qantas in um, reservations. So that was the very first starting point for me in shift work. Um, I worked six years for Qantas reservations. And then from there, I went out to the airport where I met you. And, um, and that's when I was the customer service agent out there. I worked there for about four years. Um, then once leaving Qantas, I then, like you said, I was um, an international flight attendant for Etihad Airways and was living in the Middle East. So um, I guess my shift working years were about 12 years and doing shift work. Um, and then I returned home um, and from there I was, I actually was working for Flight Centre for quite some time, which was no longer shift work, so it took me a little while to get back into the swing of just a normal Monday to Friday nine to five job. Um, But in saying that, Flight Centre was not nine to five. We did some crazy hours there. Um, Travel is definitely my thing, um, but selling it wasn't. So I actually left Flight Centre and um, found this job as a sleep therapist. So that sort of brought me into the Queensland Regional Sleep Clinic side of things. Um, I worked for the clinic for two and a half years um, and then my boss at the time, um, she no longer wanted to be a part of the business, so she has, she offered the business to me um, and I have since taken over and I've been running Queensland Regional Sleep Clinic now for the last three years. So. That's, that's my short
1: story. (laughs) Wow. There's, um, a lot has actually transpired for you over the last, oh gosh, 10, 15 years or so to yes. have you um, to reach to this sleep clinic. So it sounds like the universe sets you up with all your
0: flying and shift-working experience and ended, so up, it ended up. Yeah, so um Yeah, so I guess I can say I'm very understanding of all my patients, especially my shift-working patients, so um, I know what they go through on a daily basis. Wonderful. Um,
1: Wonderful. Um, they'd be really,
0: happy, they'd to be hear really happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So can All you just right, share, share a little bit our sleep clinic? What, sleep is clinic, what do it is that you do and, you and do what type of help you offer your patients? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so at the clinic, uh, we conduct home-based sleep studies. So um, we're actually um, monitoring and to see if a patient has sleep apnea or if they're snoring. Um, and with these home-based sleep studies, we're monitoring whole array of things. We're monitoring um, airflow, um, we're looking at oxygen desaturations, we're looking at positioning of sleep, um, monitoring snoring. Uh, we're also monitoring uh, leg movements through rest- maybe looking at restless legs for our patients. Um, and then once we've attained um, all the information and to see if the patient has sleep apnea, um, depending on the level of severity, uh, we can then treat the we we can then treat the patient. Um, So if the level is quite high, we would treat our patient with um, a CPAP device. Um, I'm not sure if our viewers know or listeners know about CPAP, but CPAP is a, a device that sits on the bedside table It has tubing attached to it, which then is attached to a mask, which will fit on your face, Um, and basically it's just blowing air. So um, CPAP stands for Continual Positive Airway Pressure, and um, so basically it is keeping the airways open so we don't stop breathing in our sleep. So we conduct a program that goes for two months, and then in this time I'm monitoring the patient um, just to... Obviously, I'm educating supporting because they're now sleeping with something on their face. So, um, giving the the support that they need over this um, two months. Um, we're looking at airflow to see um, if the patient is, you know, apneas have dropped low. So, apnea is basically meaning to stop breathing. So, we need that to be to a level of under five and we monitor that through the CPAP. Um, they have a USB which we can then record their sleep and then I monitor it th- that, through that way. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, oh, really, that's interesting, really interesting, Jodie. Fascinating. So,
1: how do they go with having this piece of um, equipment attached to the face? I think that would be very uncomfortable to sleep. Like, would it not aggravate it even more?
0: Yeah, so. Uh, um, once you're comfortable with your mask, your sleep is amazing. So, um, that's the, that's the hard part. So if we can get that comfortable, then the patient should be smooth sailing from there. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got different, different masks that we look at. So that's why we have the program. So over, over the two month period, we can, um, look at what best, you know, what mask suits the patient best.
1: Oh, that's good. That's, yeah, that's a bit of a relief because I I, I just have envisioned, so I don't really know what a CPAP machine looks like. I can envision it's this big clunky
0: thing that will be attached to my face. (laughs) Yeah, no, the (laughs) machines are actually quite um, compact these days. Maybe 10 years ago they were noisy and um, not, you know, and quite big. Now they're all compact. There's no sound um, and, yeah, you know, very up-to-date
1: Excellent. Do
0: you, and do you find, find that there's, a, that there's a position to sleep because you know
1: there's we there's some of us that sleep on our back, yeah. on our side. Have you sort of seen if there's a better sleep position for somebody, or is it just that we're all different?
0: Everyone is different. So when you're using your CPAP machine and you're with your mask, whatever is comfortable for you is the best position. Okay. All right. So, a,
1: a pillow doesn't make any difference. If you do you know,
0: uh, if with CPAP any position is fine, but if um, a patient um, is um, without CPAP, is that what you're referring to, Audra? Or yeah, like yeah, if, like
1: if, um, you know have you know different different types, types of, pillows of pillows as well. As as well. well there's one one a big
0: yeah, um, honestly, I, in, in my eyes, it's what's ever best for the patient, like whatever keeps them comfortable. So, and yeah, everyone is different in that sense, I would think. Mm. Okay, yeah.
1: interesting. So mm-hmm. they don't actually have to – I mean, again, this is my naivety. I yeah. envision that um, we would actually have to go into your clinic and sleep in your clinic overnight. So that's not the case, obviously. No,
0: no, not the case. So that's the best thing about the home-based sleep studies is that the patient can do the study in the comfort of their own bed. So, Yeah.
1: Well, that would definitely impact the sleep too. I could imagine being in your own bed.
0: Yeah. Rather than in a, in a hospital bed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's great. That's a really, really good service to offer for. So, um, excellent. So yeah. as you know, jo- um, Jody, as shift workers, our sleep is definitely severely, I guess, disrupted for a better word and, and yeah. due to our erratic shifts. And you would definitely know personally, um, from a perspective of having to cross time zones when you work as a long-haul flight attendant. Yes. Can you explain to our listeners what what exactly is sleep? Like what's going on in our brain? What are, what are circadian rhythms? All those sorts of things.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the easy way, I guess, uh, sleep is really just promoted by the natural cycles of activity in the brain So, and it consists of Two states. So there's the what we call the rapid eye movement or REM sleep, um, and this is where most of our dreaming occurs. Uh, and then there's the non-REM sleep. So um, the this the period of non-REM sleep is made up of four stages. So um, stage one is basically where where the mind starts to drift off, and it's still easy to wake you up. Um, stage two it's a little bit more difficult to wake them um, and then stage three to four is where your mind is fairly blank um, and it's very difficult to wake to wake you up um, and each of these stages throughout the night last five to 15 minutes uh, a complete sleep cycle is a progression of non-REM states one to four stages one to four Um, And that's before the REM sleep is then attained. So um, the sleep cycles, um, we should have five per sleep each night. So for an adult, um, a sleep cycle is 90 minutes, basically. And we should be having five of these at night. Does that make sense for you? Um, Also, too, just with your sleep health and overall well-being, um, it's dependent on your circadian rhythm so, or otherwise known as your body clock. So to be working correctly and remaining in sync with with night and day, and this is where it can be difficult for our shift workers. So basically the body clock is an internal biological clock that regulates the timing for our sleep.
1: Yeah, yeah and,
0: and, 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 and poor little, little shift workers' shift. clock
1: mm. works back to front, upside down all over the place. And the roundabout, place. yes, it does, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Which would Which really would impact,
1: impact it. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. I just have a, just question, have a question regarding, regarding to to the REM RAM and the, the, the non-REM. Mm. When, you're, when seeing you're seeing your patients, patients yeah. do, you do you find that, that they're spending more time in the REM or the non
0: Non-rem. Non-rem.
1: Uh, Is
0: there a pattern? On, I
1: guess.
0: I guess. Well, just looking at so with the um, with the downloads of our um, sleep studies, they all actually get sent through to our sleep physicians. So the physicians are doing all the reporting on it. Um, so I don't actually do the reporting on the sleep study. So. In turn, I don't see if it's non-REM or, uh, or the REM. So that's something that the physicians see and then they write the report. So, um, I don't actually get to see what is the majority, what the majority rules.
1: Mm. Okay. Mm. It's just, yes. yeah, I thought it would be quite interesting if, if there was actually a pattern and yeah. if there was something that, yeah, could get, um, yeah. I guess once you recognize the pattern, then maybe the treating the, um, the irregularity might help with treatment.
0: So, yeah, okay. yeah. I don't actually. So I, like I said, I don't see that. But that that's all something that the physician sees, and then they, the physician, will then contact me and um, and advise me which patient then needs to be treated with the CPAP, and that's where I come in and do the program for the patient.
1: Okay. And what's actually
0: involved in the treatment, Jodie? What do you actually do um, for the CPAP program? Yeah. That's the program that goes for the two-month period. Mm-hmm. So over that that time, um, we're monitoring um, airflow, um, looking at, you know, what suits the patient best, um, monitoring the math, um, um, you know, so that's it's a matter of them, you know, hiring my equipment for the two-month period of time and right, then, yep. yeah, Excellent. yeah.
1: Excellent. Okay, very good. So since taking over the clinic, what's been the biggest lesson you've
0: learnt about sleep as a whole? um, I don't know about lessons learned but like it really is quite I'd have to say it's really and really an easy issue to solve once you've had your sleep study so um, you know if you're suffering um, you know you you are best to chat to your gp um about your sleep um and we can get the sleep study all sorted and once you've got your sleep study done and we've got you on treatment um you know the transformations that i see with my patients who are now on cpap um are are amazing so you know they're all now living a better quality of life so i get to see that um on a daily basis
1: (laughs) that must be really rewarding
0: yeah it is definitely Mm.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, sleep just affects us in so many ways, our ability, you know, to think, obviously our cognitive function, um, our ability to process information. It affects our mood. It just affects so much. So knowing that for, you know, some people that are struggling with things like sleep apnea, that there is a solution, mm-hmm. um, it would be music to the ears of, of, of some of our listeners, I'm sure
0: yeah yeah i do i see personality changes um you know once people are getting Ah. brighter people you know because they're now getting a good quality of sleep like you know most of them think they're getting sleep because they're in bed for you know eight hours but they're not getting the quality so once they get the quality you know we see the changes Yeah, actually, that's a really good point because as a shift worker,
1: we, the quantity is missing for many of us because of our shifts. So we're really, you know, I've always thought it's really important just to focus more on the quality because we can really get ourselves wound up and panicking and worrying about how little sleep that we've got, you know, when we set that alarm clock and it's only four hours to go. um, It can really stress us out, but. Uh, you know, when we folks sort of, try not to think about that too much, and just focus more on the quality mm-hmm. as opposed to um, the quantity. Even just that thought process and, and knowing that that can improve um, yeah. would benefit a
0: shift worker. I would, I would think. Yes, definitely. Yes, for sure. Mm. And do you see many shift workers in your clinic, Jodie? I have lots of shift workers. Um okay. <laughs> my clinic um is also it's in Yapoon, but I also have my clinic out west in Emerald and in Bulawheela. So um I do the three clinics and um out west I have quite a lot of shift workers, so a lot of um, guys in the mining industry. So yeah, I, I see many, many shift workers. Wow.
1: Oh, I did realise that you branched out you're in other locations as well. That's yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Yep. And so have the shift workers, have you, I mean, obviously, it is one thing that, um, I guess we can't change as much as we'd love to be able to change our rosters. The sleep deprivation is always going to form part of our career. Yeah. It, we kind of just have to accept it to a certain degree, as much as I'd love to be able to wave a magic wand over somebody's roster and make it so much more sleep friendly. Um, it's not yeah. always the case, I guess. But um, just knowing that you know we can make slight improvements would be good. Have you seen? Have you sort of had shift workers notice a difference since they've gone to your clinic?
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Once they're on, once they're on treatment, um, yeah, for sure. I, I see changes all the time. So yeah, better quality of life. <laughs> oh, that's
1: wonderful. That's yeah, yeah. that's really really great. That, yeah. yeah, very yeah. good. So. Um, I've just got a, a a little thing that I want to mention because I do tend to stalk your Facebook page a little. <laughs> <laughs> because I love okay. it. Or, or, I stalk yours too. <laughs> I do? Oh, do Oh, that's good. Okay, we're stalking, we're stalking each other. Each other. That's, that's absolutely <laughs> fine <laughs> then. But I did, but I did a, notice you put up a quote, up a quote that said, enough, enough sleep, sleep is just is as just important for good health, health as, nutrition as nutrition and, ex- and exercise. exercise. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, so you thoughts on that?
0: On that? Well, um, I guess above all, sleep is important for our health and most um, people nowadays understand the importance of um, fitness and nutrition, um, yet sleep is probably not getting as much attention as is needed. Um, the actual Sleep Health Foundation in Australia uh, states that the role of optimal sleep in our lives is as important to our health as good nutrition and good levels of physical activity. So um, that's, I guess, why I added that little statement to my Facebook page. <laughs> mm, nice, lovely, yeah. Well,
1: and I yeah. guess, again, from a shift worker's perspective, even though we may not be able to control the quantity, if we work on improving our sleep, uh, the quality side yeah. of it, um, yeah. we do know that... Uh, it's it's definitely going to improve our whole well being and how we function and think and and um, our general well being. So
0: exactly, that's exactly right. Good stuff. Okay,
1: so now considering you're a bit of a guru when it comes to all things sleep, <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you recommend any particular sleep tips um, that you um, may help our listeners to improve their sleep?
0: Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so there is this thing called sleep hygiene. Um, sleep hygiene doesn't mean clean sheets and clean pyjamas or anything like that. Sleep uh, sleep hygiene is basically a whole lot of tips and uh, tricks on sort of how to um, get the ben- most benefit from your sleep. So um, there is a little list of things that I'd like to go through. The um, oh, first please. one, though, is um, a little bit difficult for our shift workers. Um, it is get up at the same time each day, and that's seven days a week. Now, that, I know, is um, quite difficult for all of our shift workers. But basically, um, if you could keep just a routine in your sleep, um, that's, I guess, you know, a um, um, having dinner, showering and going to bed and sort of keeping the routine the same seven days a week would be the best way. Um, I guess that's the first one. Um, exercise regularly. That, um, you know, if you can regular uh, do regular exercise, um, try not to do it within three hours of sleep. Um, Exercise makes it easier to initiate sleep and deepen the sleep as well. Uh, the next one we would have is... Don't take your problems to bed. Um, Plan some time earlier in the evening for working on your problems or planning the next day's activities. Uh, Worrying may interfere with initiating sleep and produce a shallow sleep. So um, this next one um, is train yourself to use the bedroom only for sleep and or sexual activities um this will help your condition condition your brain to see bed as the best place for sleeping so try not to read or watch TV or eat in bed basically um, we've got avoid long naps Um, Like staying awake during the day helps you to fall asleep at night. Um, Naps taking, sorry, naps totaling more than 30 minutes um, increases your chances of having trouble sleeping at night. So try to keep um, naps to a a minimum. Um, Make sure that your bedroom is comfortable and free from light and noise. Um, That's quite an important one. Um, Eat regular meals and don't go to bed hungry. Um, hungry may disturb your sleep, and a light snack before bed um, may help sleep, but avoid sort of greasy, heavy foods, obviously. Um, avoid excess liquids in the evening. So, reducing your liquid intake will minimize the need for nighttime trips to the bathroom. Um, also, to cut down on all caffeine. Um, yeah, even caffeine in the early day can also um, interrupt or disrupt your nighttime sleep as well. Um, avoiding alcohol is another one, especially in the evening. Um, although alcohol helps tense people fall asleep more easily, uh, it can also um, cause awakenings um, later in the night. And also to stop smoking. <laughs> smoking may disturb sleep. It's a nicotine is a stimulant, so um, if you can sort of curb the Curb the cravings um, of cigarettes. That's another good one. Um also to try not to have um, you know mobile devices and um, laptops, iPads, TVs on in bedroom as well. Wow, lots of great it's, it's, tips there. Yes, i probably inundated everyone with too many, more, but yeah, no, that's
1: really interesting. But one thing that um, caught my, I guess, ears was about the three hours um, not exercising. Uh, any you know closer within the three hour
0: period before bed? Why is that? Um, I'm I'm going to say that your body um, is still processing and still um, hyped up from all your exercise, so um, mm. not in a state where you can actually help fall fall asleep. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And, I,
1: and I guess probably your your body temperature is still quite warm, and it, yes. it may actually interrupt with the sleeping as well. Definitely. Perhaps. Yeah. yeah 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 because that's an important thing um i believe is to have your room a bit cooler to sleep is there a perfect optimal temperature to have your room set if you can
0: obviously you know you have the the option with a neck conditioner i'm pretty sure it's 19 degrees oh that's cold yeah 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 (laughs) Wow! Really? Yeah, that cold. cold. Yeah, I'm. I, I did that. Now that's just off the top of my head, so um, I'll have to double check that for you. Yeah. Laura. Yeah. I'm a bit of a I'm
1: cold.
0: I'm a bit of a cold roll, So that got me from being be like, <laughs> That's so really that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. 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 It's generally 19 to 22.
1: There
0: you go. Okay. Okay. Right, so I have to go after 22. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. That's, yeah, that was
1: fantastic. Thanks, Jodie. Well, um, your information has just been so, um, yeah, just informative. I've, I have. I've, I've, just, I've learned a lot. And no doubt um, some of our listeners um, have picked up some really good tips for you and, and opened their eyes to uh, the condition of sleep apnea and that there are things that, um, you know, that you can do in your clinic um, to help um, improve their sleep, which will be life-changing. As you, as you said, you've really noticed it in your own patients.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. So, if, um, yeah, listeners are wanting to learn more about you and what you're doing in the sleep clinic, Jodie, where can they find
0: you? Well, they can find me on Facebook as well. Um, so Queensland Regional Sleep Clinic on Facebook. Um, also, my website, um, is just www.queenslandregionalsleepclinic.com.au. Um, I've actually got a contact us on that page. So, um, you know, you can send me some information that way. Um, also, I do have an email address. Um, you can contact me there. It's Jody, J-O-D-Y, at queenslandregionalsleepclinic.com.
1: Wonderful. Excellent. I was actually I nearly forgot to say, besides jumping in a car and driving up to see you at your po, is there a better way to get in contact with you? So yep.
0: <laughs> I also have a phone number so you can call my one three hundred number so it's one three hundred nine eight two five four nine So anyone can call the number and I'm more than happy to have a chat with you.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic, that's great. That's great. We'll, we'll, thanks, thanks again, again Jody, Jody for, joining for joining us today. As I said, I've learned so much and I'm sure our listeners have too.
0: Oh, I hope so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's it for the very first edition of the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback and there are many ways you can do this via my Facebook page, The Healthy Shift Worker, through my website, healthyshiftworker.com, or you can visit The Wellness Couch at thewellnesscouch.com and leave us a comment there. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit and you can also leave us a five-star rating in the iTunes store, which will help me to spread the healthy shift worker message to shift workers and organisations all around the world. If you'd like access to more free resources, including my newsletter, just visit my website, healthyshiftworker.com and enter your name and email address. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be, despite working 24-7.